0: Welcome to the Outpouring Orlando Sermon Podcast. We exist to help people grow in Christ, share the gospel, and serve the community. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we hope you enjoy today's message. It is a sad day. We are saying goodbye to our dear friend Jonah. It's the last chapter in Jonah, and, and I, Jonah is an interesting dude. If you have not figured that out already, Jonah, Jonah is a... A very Jonah is the most interesting person that I've ever studied before in Scripture. And so I said it a couple weeks ago, I might bypass a couple people, we'll get to heaven, and I'm just going straight to Jonah. I got to understand what was going on in, in, in this brother's mind uh, in the way that he was responding to to the, to, the call, to the call of God. And so today we're in Jonah chapter 4. We're continuing in our sermon series, The Mysterious Mercy of God and Why It Matters. And so we're going to read chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. And here's what it says. Jonah was greatly displeased and became furious. He prayed to the Lord, please, Lord, isn't this what I said while I was still in my own country? That's why I fled Tarshish Tarshish in the first place. I knew, I knew this. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, that you're slow to anger, that you're abounding in faithful love, and you you relent from sending disaster. And now, Lord, just take my life from me, for for it is better for me to die than to live. And the Lord asked, is is it right for you to be angry? Is it right for you to be angry. Let me just give you a little warning, a little tidbit here, side note. You can park lot like this, save it for later. God never asks a question that he doesn't already know the answer to. God always knows the answer. So when God's asking a question, it's not for God's benefit. It's for your benefit, all right? So we ask Jonah, is it right for you to be angry? And so Jonah, typical fashion, doesn't even respond to God's question. Jonah just turns his back and walks. Jonah's so disrespectful. Jonah left the city, found a place east of it, made himself a shelter there, sat in its shade to see what would happen to the city. I told you, he went like kind of on the outskirts of Nineveh. He yelled, the roof, the roof, the roof is on fire. You know the rest. The people in Nineveh repented. Jonah didn't leave and go home. Jonah stood outside of Nineveh to watch and see what would happen. So he made himself a shelter, found some shade. Then the Lord God, here's something for all my note takers, for my note takers, for my highlighters. Key stuff is about to come up. Verse 6. Then the Lord appointed, I need you to underline that, I need you to highlight that. The Lord appointed. The Lord appointed a plant. The last time we saw the Lord appointing something, what was he appointing? Come on, class. A fish. You're slow, but you're worth waiting on. A fish. And it grew over Jonah to provide shade for his head to rescue him from his trouble. Jonah was greatly pleased with the plant. When dawn came the next day, here comes again for my note takers. God did what? God appointed a worm that attacked the plant and it withered. Verse 8, as the sun was rising, what did God do? God, God appointed a scorching east wind. The sun beat down on Jonah's head like July in Orlando at Disney World so much so that he almost fainted and he wanted to die. You ever been so hot? Lord, just take me. Just take me home, Jesus. He said, it is better for me to die than to live. It's so hot outside. Then God asked Jonah another question. Is it right for you to be angry about the plant? Jonah responded, finally, Jonah has a conversation with God. He stops running and he yells at God. Yes, it's right. I'm angry enough to die. And the Lord said, wait a minute, let me get this straight. You cared about the plant which you did not labor over and you didn't grow. It appeared in the night and it perished in the night. So I cannot care about the great city of Nineveh which has more than 120,000 people who can't distinguish between their right and their left as well as many animals, God leaves it off with the question. The question's not for Jonah. The question's for us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this opportunity just to be in your presence, to have community with each other, to study your word together. Um, God, I pray today that your, that your son Jesus would be made known. I pray today that you would get all glory Um, Through our time together. Um, God, I pray that you would call our attention and our focus back to you. I pray that you would do something special and supernatural in our hearts and minds, that you would transform us and that lasting change would take place in our our lives. And so, Father, I just pray for those who are far away from God, I pray that you you bring them close today. For those that are pursuing you, God, and want to grow in their faith, God, I pray. I pray, God, that they would just grow in that love for you, Lord, that they would be in love, madly in love with you, Lord. And so, Father, we just thank you for your goodness. We pray that you bless our time together. It's in Jesus' name we pray, and the people of God said, amen. You may be seated in the Lord's presence. Unless you've been sleeping under a rock for the last month and a half, there was a revival that took place in Kentucky. On February 8th in Wilmore, Kentucky at Asbury University, a revival broke out after a 10 a.m. chapel service. Now, Asbury University is a private Christian liberal arts college, and so they have a normal chapel service every week. Well, at this particular chapel service, after a, after a sermon, students decided not to leave And a a revival broke out. As soon as service was over, people stayed to pray, sing songs, worship God, repent. This lasted from February 8th all the way through February 24th. Do you remember this? A service started at 10 a.m. on February 8th. It didn't end to February 24th. Some of you can't wait to get out of here in 24 minutes. They stayed from February 8th to February 24th. 24th these initial students were a part of the service and after chapel service was over they decided not to leave they wanted to stay I guess word got out on campus and the university president sent out an email memo two brief sentences he said this there's worship happening in Hughes Hughes is the auditorium there's worship happening in Hughes you're welcome to join now I don't know about you if that meant I didn't have to go to class I'm going to revival Now, many of you have heard of revival before, but I want to give you a working definition of what a revival is. One of the main leaders in the Great Awakening, which, which is considered the greatest revival in American history that happened in the 1700s, Jonathan Edwards said this about revival. He said, here's what revival is. Revival is the acceleration and intensification of the normal work of the Holy Spirit. It's an acceleration and intensification of the normal work of the Holy Spirit. Missionary Norman Grubb, said revival is this, he said authentic revival is the walls coming down suddenly with our brothers and sisters. We become transparent and very humble. We ask for forgiveness and reconciliation. Well, that auditorium holds 1,500 students, but after that revival, 15,000 people a week started showing up. At the end of revival, 50,000 to 70,000 people had traveled to Will some small town in Kentucky, just to sit in the presence of God and worship. Now, now revival is not some strange thing that happens. Some people are skeptical of revival, but anytime people are committed to Jesus, anytime people want to just be in his presence, I don't think that's a time for criticism. I think that's a time to celebrate. It's just my opinion on the thing. But, but what was different about this particular revival was particularly different and significant is that ones in the past didn't have this one small element. This one took on a life of its own on social media. This actually was led by a bunch of people who are Gen Z. And so these Gen Z folk are most considered the most non-religious people in the United States of America, but somehow the most recent revival is led by what we would deem as the most non-religious people. just because revival is not up to people. Revival is up to God. So it, it took on a life of its own. And on February 18th, hashtag Asbury Revival had over 63 million views on TikTok. This thing took on a life of own its own. This was not the first revival in history though. There have been many revivals and I just want to say this. We should long to see revival. We should long to see revival in our country. We should long to see revival in our church. We want them to be authentic revivals. We want them to be rooted and grounded in the Word of God. We want them to have passionate worship. We want them to last for days. We want them to have lasting transformative effects in the lives of people. We want people to be radically changed. We should be praying for for revival in Orlando we should be praying for revival in our church we should be praying for revival all over the place because we want to see God glorified in the world We, we should be praying for revival we should long to see it we should long to see people come to genuine authentic faith in Jesus Christ we should we should long for this and when we see it we should celebrate it but not everybody celebrates revival Why are you talking about revival, Pastor, in the book of Jonah? Because I believe one of the greatest revivals in history, I believe the greatest revival in history took place in Genesis chapter 3. If you remember, God told Jonah to go to the city of Nineveh. The Ninevites are some of the worst people on earth. They are a superpower. They are Assyrians. They are a superpower, but they are an evil, brutal, violent, vicious people who kill people and brag about it. They are the worst of the worst, yet God sends his prophet Jonah to go preach to the Ninevites. Jonah can't even get out a full sentence. They immediately turn and begin to worship so much so that they get saved from the least to the the greatest, the king. Of Nineveh himself participates in revival. He calls a citywide fast. Everybody in Nineveh is longing and hungering for the presence of God. This is the greatest revival in history. A, a, a place known and synonymous with the devil has turned their attention to the one living true God. We should celebrate that. We should be like, oh my God, that is amazing that revival has happened. We should want to see people change. We should want to see God change people who we thought were the worst of the worst. That way we know that God is real and God can get glory. We know that God and God alone has a power to save. We should celebrate this. Everybody is happy in Nineveh. Marriages are being restored. Kids are getting back in school that had dropped out. People that used to kill people. Are repenting of what they did. Everybody in Nineveh is turning. They have a hashtag, hashtag Nineveh Revival Everybody's excited, except one person. The person that's not excited is the person who bought the good news. Can you imagine if revival broke out and you told Pastor John that revival is broken out at the outpour, and I went into a depression. You would immediately think, I thought you cared about the people of God. You're not who you thought. You're not who you said you were. You're not excited that people are actually getting saved? That doesn't make you excited. That that doesn't give you a burst of energy. That doesn't give you joy that people are turning from sin and trusting in God. And I'm like, no, I'm good. You would think something was wrong with me. But something is wrong with Jonah. Jonah can't get past his history with the Nunavites. He can't get past what they did to him. He knows that they are a wicked people. And so Jonah can't reconcile the mercy of God and the justice of God. Jonah can't reconcile. How can you be a merciful God to these people when they've done bad stuff to our people? How, how are you a God of justice when you're showing mercy to those who commit injustices? How, how, how is that even possible? God, if you love me, how could you forgive them? God, how can you forgive those who hurt me? You mean to tell me forgiveness comes that easy? Do you know what they did to me? Do you know how they hurt me? Did you know what they physically did to me? Do you know what they said to me? Do you know how they set my life back? Do you know that they put me in a vicious cycle and all they had to do was turn and repent and you give them forgiveness? What part of the game is that? This is what Jonah is going through. Jonah is struggling because he can't reconcile the the justice of God and the mercy of God. And Jonah is asking a question. Oftentimes we think in society that the big question that everyone wants to know is why do bad things happen to good people? Why do bad things happen to good people? They didn't deserve to die. They didn't deserve the disease. They didn't deserve to get in a car accident. We asked the question, why do bad things happen to good people? Jonah is asking a completely different question. Jonah is asking, why do good things happen to bad people? And if you're being honest with yourself today, everybody in this room has asked themselves, God, how is good things happening to these bad people? God, how are, you, how are you blessing them? Do you know what they did to me and you just let them go and you're blessing their life? God, I can't make, I can't reconcile this God because they don't deserve it. they hurt me, they offended me, they damaged me, they abused me, they were violent towards me, God, I can't shake it, but you just let them go, and you bless them? God, make it, make sense. This is what Jonah is grappling with. Why does good things happen to bad people? And we've all asked the question. And so let this question serve to help us understand the mercy of God. Don't forget, don't you, notice, don't you ever let this get lost on you. Justice is not lost on God. God is not like forgetting what happened to you. God didn't turn a blind eye to evil. God didn't turn a blind eye to injustices. Must we forget that this very God is so serious about justice that he sent his own son to the earth to take on the injustices that we committed. that that we are a product of God's mercy, we are a product of God's grace because of an injustice being put on an innocent man who willingly took on our sin, willingly took on what we did wrong when we offended not people but God. So let us understand something about the mercy and justice of God. Why does God let good things happen to bad people? we we'll look at this last week. I think we should look at it again. Second Peter chapter three, verse nine says this. The Lord does not delay his promise as some understand delay, but is patient with you, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. See you thinking from your, your small vantage point about what happened to you and God is like, First of all, I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do. I'm not doing what you think I should do to them because I am giving them time to turn and repent because I don't want anybody lost. You see, you didn't create anybody. God did. And so God is just giving people time to repent. Spoiler alert. I should just not tell you, just just let you read your own Bible, but I'm a teacher by nature. Spoiler alert. The Ninevites did turn to repent. However, about 30 years or so later, they got back up to their old ways. And they did do harm to God's people like Jonah suspected. However, God didn't let them get away with it because they met another superpower called the Babylonians who took out the Ninevites. God's justice was perfect. God got justice. It just wasn't on Jonah's time frame. See, God was waiting on the Ninevites to turn so that when they turn back, he can say, I knew it wasn't real and authentic. I gave you plenty of time to turn. I gave you plenty of time. I'm going to let you come and do something to my people because they already struggle with their own repentance. My Israelite people, my people, my treasure possession, they have a problem with repentance. You repented immediately, but I'm going to use you Assyrians to come back and discipline my people so that my people could truly turn to me. Sometimes God lets stuff happen so that God can get you to turn back to where you're supposed to be. He asked the question, is it right for you? You. Like, you You angry? You, you, Jonah, you're angry? You got short-term memory loss. Since Jonah was greatly displeased and became furious, he prayed to the Lord. Please, Lord. Isn't this what I said when I was in my own country? This is why... I was trying to get over to Tarshish in the first place. I knew the kind of God that you were. I knew that you were gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in faithful love, that you would relent of disaster if people would just turn and repent. I know that about you. And God, there's something about you that I don't like. If we're being honest, there are things about God that all of us don't like. And Jonah says, because of this, take my life. It's better for me to live than to die. Jonah was so angry. Jonah was so mad that his anger turned to evil. It's funny how evil has been resolved on both ends. God's wrath towards Nineveh has been taken away because they repented. And because they repented, they're no longer evil. The only evil that exists right now is Jonah's evil. Jonah is mad at them for being evil. But the only person that's evil right now in the story is Jonah. Jonah is evil. God has resolved the issue on all parties except for Jonah. And Jonah knows this. And Jonah Jonah is upset by it. He he is stuck because he can't get over who the Ninevites are and what they've done. (sighs) What we realize in this story is that everybody else has moved on and Jonah's stuck. (laughs) you ever see somebody that hurt you did something to you offended you and you still boiling and they done moved on with their life completely unbothered (laughs) don't even remember what they did to you you bring it up they're like i didn't do that to you yes you did i was there i got the scars to prove it i got a text and email you talking about you didn't know what happened They done moved on, they got a new job, they moved to a new city, they got a new relationship, they got new kids, they got new everything. And you're stuck right there. You're wondering why they aren't suffering like you're suffering. It's a peculiar and yet painful place to be when God and others have moved on and you're still stuck in yesterday. It's 2023, and you're in 1973. (laughs) It's 2023, and you're in 83, or 93, or 03, or 13, and they've moved on with their lives. If you feel angry at injustice, if you feel like everybody has moved on, if you feel abandoned and left to deal with the broken pieces of life, your feelings are affirmed. God is in there with you even if you can't sense God. If you have felt like someone has gotten away with some incomprehensible offense towards you, let me remind you of the God that you serve. If there's anybody that should know how you feel that has had injustice happen to them undeservedly so, it is Jesus. He is the one that was on the cross. He is the one that, that went to the grave. He is the one that died for our sins. He knows what is like for people to turn on him he knows what it's like to be offended by the same people that he would die for he feels your pain you know jonah was just praying in chapter two he was praying and thanking god for his mercy god thank you for this mercy while he was in the belly of the fish he was praying and thanking god he was thanking god with all that he has But when some other people are experiencing the same mercy that he experienced when his life was on the brink, he can't stomach it. And this is the problem with Jonah. The same thing that made him praise is the same thing that causes him pain. The mercy of God, he can't hold The mercy and the justice of God intention together. He just can't do it. He says, God, I I knew that you are gracious and compassionate, God. I knew that you were slow to anger. I I knew that you are are faithful, God. I knew that that you relent from disaster. I know that about you. Jonah says, God, I know your character. I know how you are. I know that you are, are slow to anger. That literally means he's long nostril. All this means is that God is not easily moved to anger. Some of you think God is mad at you right now. Let me tell you, God is long nostril. God's nose is long, but not because of Pinocchio's nose. God's nose is long, not because he's a liar. God's nose is long because he's long suffering. God, God, God has patience. God God, God is not erratic. God is not overly emotional. God, God is not just jumping out the window at every whim. God is not just snapping on people. God is not angry like we make him out to be. What Jonah is talking about is what Moses talked about when God describes himself in Exodus 34, 6 and 7. He says that I am a gracious and compassionate God. I'm slow to anger. And Jonah is like, I'm quick to anger. And God, I don't like that you're slow to anger. This is what I don't like about you that you should be mad when I'm mad. You should be offended when I'm offended. You should get them when I want to get them. Let me tell you something. You should be glad that God ain't like you. Can you imagine if God? answered the prayers of all the people that didn't want you to experience the mercy of God? Don't be fooled. There's people that wanted God not to respond to your prayer. There were people at some point praying that God wouldn't forgive you. There were people at some point waiting for God to do something strange to you and God didn't take you out. God let you survive. God let you live. God showered you with mercy when people wanted God to show his wrath to you. Shouldn't you be glad that God is not like us? Thank God that he didn't respond when people were praying against us. We should be happy about that. We we need to stop reading the Bible and putting ourselves in the shoes of the victim of the story. (laughs) They did wrong to me, God. You may not be as aggressive as the Ninevites, but you are just as sinful. What the Ninevites did with their hands, most of us do with our heart. You didn't murder anybody with a gun, but you thought about it. You didn't slap somebody with your hands, but it was in your heart to do so. And God's mercy was there, patient with us. And Jonah was like, I don't even care. It's better for me to die than to live. God, I don't want to live in a world where the wicked prosper. I can't take it. I am so sick of seeing wicked people get blessed. God, do you know what that does to my heart and mind when I'm serving you with my whole life and my whole heart and giving my time and giving my resources and putting up with crazy church people and greeting people and hugging people? and running sound, and doing AV, and singing, and setting up, and tearing down, and paying tithe, and over tithe, and doing security, and leading a life group, and doing all of that on top of all of my responsibilities, and the people that I know don't care about you seem to be living in the lap of luxury, not giving a care about you in the world. God, I can't take it another day. I would rather die. Then live in a world where the wicked prosper. So God, here's my ultimatum. Either you kill them or you kill me. So what Jonah here is trying to do again is manipulate God because I'm the prophet of God. Surely he's not going to take me out. But if I put him on the line, either me or them, he's going to pick me. And God is like, Jonah, you tried to kill yourself already and you couldn't even do that. So who are you to issue me an ultimatum about anybody's life? You don't own life. I'm the giver of life, not you, Jonah. (laughs) And the Lord asked, is it right for you to be angry? Jonah, let me remind you. When you were trying to take your own life, didn't I stop you? When you had those suicidal thoughts and then you jumped out the window, didn't I stop you? Were you drowning and choking in the ocean and I came through for you when you offered me that one last sorry prayer that I knew that you really didn't mean, but I pretended like I was answering your prayer when I knew you was going to go back to what I brought you out of. You didn't think I knew that, but I played dumb because that's what parents do sometimes and I still answered your little janky prayer. When you were at the bottom of the ocean's floor about to drown and you you were going towards death due to your own disobedience, I appointed a fish to come by and scoop you up in his mouth on a day that he didn't have an appetite. And not only did my mercy save your life, but I put you right back on track, right where you were supposed to be in the first place. So let me ask you this question again, Mr. Jonah. Is it right for you to be angry? And the question God is asking us today, regardless of what happened in your life and who it happened to, is it right for you to be angry? Is it right for you to be angry? Because what he's saying is, Jonah, you live in a double standard. You were cool when I was saving you. You said salvation belongs to the Lord. That's what you said in in, in chapter 2, verse 9, that salvation belongs to the Lord. Well, if salvation belongs to the Lord and not to Jonah, why can't I save who I want to save? Let me tell you this when we are puzzled by the mysterious mercy of God, we have to take a moment and pause and reflect and recall all the times that God showed us mercy. Can we be really honest today? just as much as people have hurt us, we've hurt people. Let me read something for you. Paul puts it like this. Romans 9, 14 through 16. Jesus Christ says this. Romans 9, 14 through 16 says this. Are we saying then that God was unfair? Of course not. For God said to Moses, I will show mercy to anyone I choose, and I will show compassion to anyone I choose. So it is God who decides to show mercy. We can neither choose it nor work for it. This is how our salvation works, people. We did not save ourselves. We are saved by grace through faith. We didn't do anything to earn our salvation. We didn't work for our salvation. We don't deserve our salvation, but it's given to us as a free gift of God. It is his gift. Our salvation to Christ is a gift. God showered his mercy on us. He shouted his grace on us. God did not have to send his son for us. That is his grace. That is his mercy. We're saved by grace alone. And so whenever we've been afforded the grace of God and any forgiveness it's not due to anything in us. It is about God and God alone this is how we're saved we were not more deserving of salvation than anybody else so let me tell you this God's goal is not just for you to receive mercy God's desire is repentance for all people because God wants all people to be saved and Jonah forgot that God sending him to Nineveh was a part of a large purpose I want to say this to us When we can't understand how God forgives people who did this or people who did this, here's what we need to understand. That God's plan of redemption is far bigger than anything you and I could comprehend. God wasn't just concerned about saving you and the people you like. God was not just concerned about saving you and your particular family. But God says, I desire that all would be saved. Jonah knew Exodus 34. He quotes Exodus 34. He knew this. So Jonah knew this. That means Jonah knew Abraham, Abraham chapter two, I'm not Abraham, Genesis chapter 12, one through three, the story of Abraham. When God told Abram that all the families, all the nations of the earth will be blessed through you. Jonah knew this, that God had a plan to save all nations. So when he accepted the call and the commission as a prophet, what did he think God was going to use him to do? God was sending him to save people that were not like him but Jonah forgot I just want to say this God's scope is not just limited to you and yours but God's scope is wide sometimes God is showing mercy to people not to offend you but to save them let me say that for the people that's spiritually in the back Sometimes God is showing mercy not to offend you, but to save them. So that's a tough pill to swallow, to swallow in the handle, because sometimes what we feel won't reconcile with how God continues to let the wicked prosper. It's so real in Jonah's life that Jonah once again does not respond when God asked the question is it right for you to be angry he walks away and it tells us that Jonah walked away went to the east side of a of the city got himself some shade built himself a little hut a little raggedy shade and started to sit outside of the city of Nineveh. Here's what it says, verses 5 through 6. He left the city, found a place east of it. He made himself a shelter there and sat in its shade to see what would happen to the city. Then the Lord God appointed a plant, and it grew over. I want you to follow the story. Jonah made a shelter for himself, sat in its shade. God appointed a plant, and it grew over Jonah to provide shade for his head to rescue him from his trouble. Jonah was pleased with the plant. When dawn came the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant. Verse 8, the sun was rising, and God appointed a scorching east wind. The sun beat down on Jonah's head so much that he almost fainted. And so one of the shows that I, I, I didn't watch, but I, I ended up loving the show. I shouldn't be admitting this, but I, I started loving the show. Because it was my wife's show at first. Um, so so here here's here's how it goes. This is this, this is what happens at home. This is what happens. This is what happens. She'll have these little shows and they look a little girly and I'm like, I don't watch this mess, I'll watch this mess, watch this. And then, then then you know you know, it'd be on TV we get ready to go to bed and I'm just like watching it a little bit, you know. Whatever. It's corny, whatever. Oh, it's so corny. I can't stand this show. What happened what happened next? <laughs> Who's that? Who's that character right there? This new show, like, like new show, New Amsterdam. Well, I don't watch no show by the no hospital. I don't watch this nonsense. I don't watch this mess. So the so the black guy left the hospital. That's what happened. So <laughs> he, that's what happened. He didn't he didn't work there no more. That's what happened right there. So we, we started watching. Well, right anyway, anyway. There's a show, and they do this thing, this technique in, the, in these shows now that do a flashback and a flash forward. And the show that's very popular for doing this was called This Is Us. And they do this flashback and flash forward. They show stuff. And I was so confused because that was one of her shows. And I was like, I don't watch no show about these three people that I don't care about this. And so, but I started watching it because Randall's my guy, whatever, what, I started watching it. And so I started watching the show. Don't, ju- don't judge me. I started watching the show, whatever enjoying the show I cried when it's last episode last season Um, and so um, they do a flashback flash forward this point is not about this is us the point is about this is what happens in the text because when we get to verse 5 it goes back to when Jonah first went to Nineveh the first four verses is his response and his reaction to them turning in repentance verses 5 through 11 is his observation before it actually happens So the author gives us a flash forward, but then he takes us back. And Jonah went out there, yelled, the roof, the roof, the roof is on fire. We don't need no water, all right? He says this, and remember, God says, they got 40 days to repent. And Jonah is still hoping that something bad will happen to them. He hopes that God will destroy it like Sodom and Gomorrah. He's hoping that God will just burn it down to the floor. And so he builds him a little stupid little makeshift hut and it's scorching hot outside. And he parks himself outside of the city of Nineveh. And he's just chilling. He um, gets his phone. He's standing outside of Nineveh. He gets his phone and he downloads the Twitter app. Creates a fake account, gets on uh, Instagram, gets a little fake account, and he's starting to see what they do. And he starts following all the local Assyrian pages and popular figures in Assyria waiting to see what happened. But he was struggling because the sun was like beating down on him. He just a little hut. The sun was there. It was hut and look, little cover, but not enough. It was like oh, this is crazy. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, a plant just Comes over Jonah, much better shade, keeping him cool. He's like, oh, I like this plant. I can can get used to this. And he started scrolling. And he was just waiting. Oh, any moment now. I'm just waiting for CNNA, CNN Assyria. Oh, I can't wait to see what God is about to do. They have no idea. God, don't let me down now. And he was strolling. He was on Instagram, and he started typing people's stuff in. He was like, "Oh, oh, I know this one couple, and I know this one. I know this one girl, and and none I know she evil. <laughs> no, she evil. Wait a minute, what? She got married. Really? <laughs> I know her. Whatever." Let me see this other dude I know. I used to work with him. He's he super evil. They don't even know what he used to do at the job. Let's see what's going on with him. Promotion? He had a promotion? Whatever, let me keep scrolling. Oh, they on vacation. Oh, they on a cruise. They thought I thought they had the money. Oh, uh-uh. A new car. He got bad credit. How'd he get a new car? Oh, he started a new business. Don't nobody care about no fitness business. Everybody can start one of those. Legit, you're starting? Oh oh no. oh, uh-uh. She's doing a gender reveal party. I can uh-uh. I I know. She don't even like kids, God. She don't even like kids. She don't even take care of the ones that she has. It's a general reveal. Look at him posting these stupid workout progress pics. Don't nobody care. I used to have a six-pack too. New relationship. This is driving me crazy. God, I can't stand that you're looking out for these Ninevites and God is providing the shade for Jonah but God is not just providing shade God is throwing shade the irony is is that while he's whilst he's complaining about the mercy of God in the life of the Ninevites He had his own little stupid hut that wasn't providing enough shade. And then all of a sudden, a plant that actually covers him and cools him down that he did not plant, that he did not create, that he did not make, that was appointed for him to cover him. It's, uh, It's amazing how God is blessing you and keeping you even when you're in the wrong. When you're dead in your sins and God is still letting you breathe. You dead in your sins and you still have gas in your car. You living in sin and God hadn't killed you yet. You living in sin and you hadn't been found out yet. You living in sin and God is still letting you keep a job and pay your bills and your kids are healthy and in school. And God is letting you live and you have a nerve to breathe God good, clean air and look at somebody else's life while you're taking advantage of the same mercy that God is providing to someone else. Jonah, how dare you? And God's like, let me teach you an object lesson in my sovereignty. As soon as he got used to that plant, God appointed a worm. And that worm ate that same plant up. God says, oh, you think that's it? Let me give you a little orlando june july type of sun with no wind breeze no no wind chill let me let this florida sun beat down on your head like it doesn't have no sense florida heat is so hot in the summer that if anybody is not trusting in jesus if if hell is an alternative for you i don't know what's wrong with you this florida sun ought to save everybody And Jonah says, "It's so hot. I just want to die. With this sun and with this favor that he didn't pour out on these Ninevites, I can't stand it." And God asks another question. "Is it right for you to be angry about the plant?" And for the first time, Jonah decides to talk to God. And Jonah screams at God like a child that's parent, that parents didn't whoop them when they yelled at them. He yells like a person that didn't have no home training. I don't know how many of y'all could yell at your parents. But if you could, let me tell you something. That's the mercy of God. If you yelled at your parents and you don't have dentures at 25 that's the mercy of God if your teeth are not missing that's the mercy of God if you can walk straight that's the mercy of God if you don't have wounds on your body that's and you yell to your parents that's the mercy of God you ever see these kids just be yelling at their parents I'm like I'm like Jonah do something you see the evil that is lurking in your midst do something (laughs) where's your justice Do something. Jonah, is it right for you to be mad at the plant that I provided for you? How are you going to get mad at what I gave you? How are you going to get mad at me for taking away something that you didn't put there in the first place? Jonah, I was teaching you a lesson that if I created it, I have a right to give to it and I have a right to take away from it. Jonah says, "I am mad about the plan. I enjoy the plan. God says, "I know you would enjoy. I knew you enjoyed the plan. I knew you liked the plan. I know what the plant did for you, but you didn't create the plan. And if you have the right to be angry about something that you did not create, I have the right to desire what I want for what I did create. You're thinking about saving one single solitary plant. I told you that there is 120,000 people, 120,000 humans in Nineveh, and you're more concerned about a plant that's here today and gone tomorrow. Jonah, the fish was a gift to you. The plant was a gift to you. But you're acting like you did this all on your own, when it was all my mercy. And the point I want you to know today is this, that God's mercy is up to God. We don't determine who gets God's mercy and who gets God's forgiveness. And if you've ever struggled in your life, God, how can you forgive that person? How can you want them to hear the gospel? Do you know how evil they are? God is saying, You're missing the big picture. I'm not sparing them to offend you, but I'm sparing them to save them. It is my heart and my nature that all would come to repentance and be saved. I can't not be who I already am, people. This is what we have to know about God that God is merciful. He is patient. He's compassionate. He is kind. He is forgiving. God gets a bad rap. But when we see stories like Jonah, how can you not worship a God with this kind of patience? This is a loving God. This is a God who loves people. He loves his creation. If you care and love a plant that you did not create, can I love humans that I did create? You see, you feel like you've had an experience like Jonah. But the truth of the matter is, we're Ninevites. We are people that don't deserve God's mercy, yet he gives it to us. The Bible says that his mercies are new every morning. I'm not taking away from you when I'm done. I'm not taking away from you the challenge of offense and hurt, I'm not. I feel your pain. I feel you. Life is hard at times. People do things to us and we have no answer for why. People betray us. People hurt us. And we oftentimes live the experience that bad things happen to good people. But what really hurts us oftentimes is when good things happen to bad people. So the next time you see what you deem as the wicked prosper, remember that they are made in God's image. And if he saved you, then he can save them. If God decided to give his mercy to only those that deserved it, you and I wouldn't have it. So let us not be like Jonah. And have selective outrage, but let us embrace the God that we serve—a God that is merciful, that is mighty, that is that is slow to anger, that is compassionate, that is kind, that is loving, that is long-suffering with His people. You know what He says? He says they don't even know their right from their left. He's literally saying the Ninevites if they don't know who I am, how can they know that they are wrong? Not to excuse them from the evil that they're doing because they have to pay for that. However, how will they know the alternative? How will they know in light of their bad news that there is good news if somebody doesn't tell them? How can you hold evil people accountable for only the evil that they know? But unless you and I go and tell them that there's an alternative to their bad news and that it's good news, We can't look at them side-eyed when they do evil. They're just doing what they do. He says they don't know they're left from their, their right. And this reminds me of Jesus when he's on the cross and he says, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they do. All of us were like the Ninevites at one point, but God's mercy came and saved us. So today I want challenge you to extend your mercy and pray for those who persecute you pray for those who do you wrong pray for those who do who, who've offended you that doesn't mean you gotta be in a relationship with them that doesn't mean but but you can pray for them because we are called to be like our father we're called to be like him this is a part of our journey of growth that we are to be more like jesus let's pray We hope you enjoyed today's message. If it was a blessing to you, please consider visiting our website, outpouringorlando.com to connect with us and to also give financial support. If you are ever in the Orlando area, we would love to serve and worship with you. Have a wonderful week.